Hey, good afternoon and welcome. Oh, sorry. Damn, we're blowing out there. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jeremy, for toning me down. I, I, I felt like I was going to blow my eardrums out. Anyway, uh, welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, February 9th. I'm Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Thursdays is our guest day. We try to have guests in here on Thursdays, uh, people that are influencing the kingdom for Christ uh, both locally, uh, nationally, and internationally. And I'm real excited about today's guest, Dr. Owen Strand. Uh, he's the provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. And uh, he used to uh, be at Midwest Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's got lots of books out there. If you go to Amazon, you can see his books, Reenchanting Humanity, um, his most recent book, uh, Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it great read and um he is also the former president of the council on biblical manhood and womanhood and the former director of the center for public theology at midwestern um and i'm happy to welcome you today dr strand welcome back to swat radio well, thank you, Doug. I really appreciate you having me back on, man. Good to talk with you. I, I, I know you've been making your rounds. I've been seeing you on secular podcast and Christian podcast. You've had a busy time uh, since that book came out, haven't you? Yeah, it's been um, it's been a real blessing. Uh, the Lord has been kind. It's been hard because um, engaging ungodly ideologies like wokeness comes with a real cost and. Um, when you do engage them in some small, humble way like I have tried to do, Satan hits you and hits you with uh, both barrels, and he's done so to me and my family. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, um, we've uh, we've made it, we've persisted and uh, endured, and um, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, the Lord is opening a lot of people's eyes about the godless ideology of, of wokeness. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm just a tiny part uh, of the Church, but... Um, God is good to use a little little dust moat like me. Well, you know, um, I, I I so appreciate what you did. One, taking the time to address such a, a, a vital topic because it's uh, it is a very prevalent topic in our culture. It, it's on the news every day, but people don't realize how much it has infiltrated the church and the danger of it. And and I really appreciate how you addressed it in your book. And, um, I, I'm just excited to have you on. And I just want to ask our listeners, as you are listening today right now, uh, to Dr. Strand, pray for him and his family. I know we have listeners in uh, all the way from Virginia, um, uh, all the way West to Mississippi and even further West out in Idaho, people listening in England, um, uh, they've, uh, contacted us and they listen through the stream and, we just I, I ask you right now to pray for Dr. Strand and his family. Pray for their protection and pray that he would continue to have the platforms that he has to be able to communicate. I, I appreciate, you know, I, I didn't get to come to your uh, time at, uh, at Denton Bible. Tommy Nelson's a good friend of mine, and 
Uh, I know they were very blessed by what you put out there. Uh, talk a little bit, uh, Dr. Strand, about why why is this wokeness so dangerous to the church right now? Uh, because it is heretical what they're, they're, the church is embracing in it. Can you address that a little bit? Sure, yeah. I loved being at Denton Bible, and Tommy Nelson is a, an honorable man and a very faithful man, so thankful for him and the other folks there, um, Charles uh, Stolfus and others. Wokeness basically is the idea that we all need to wake up to the nature of systemic racism and systemic injustice in our society. And wokeness of the modern kind is composed along racial lines. The fundamental argument is that America is a rigged system. It's rigged economically, socially, and racially. In America, uh, the, the racial majority is white people, and white people have basically, building off the backs of slaves, constructed a public order where white people win and people of color lose. We can all, this is me talking, not just summarizing, we can all look back at American history and see terrible evils like slavery and the slave trade, and that's real. But um, it's not the same thing to say that as, as we should historically. Even into the, the 20th century, many problems persisted along so-called racial lines in America. But that's not the same thing as um, claiming today, in a Marxist way, uh, America is still uh, wicked in those same ways. Our public order is still systemically against people of color. This whole system, a lot we could talk about, um, but this whole system is built off of Marxist ideology, which in a nutshell reads society into, in two classes, the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots are automatically oppressed by the haves. When you apply that in racial terms in America or anywhere else, the racial majority is basically evil and racist. And, and honestly, there's a lot to talk about with all these claims, but that is a really simplistic way to understand the world as haves are oppressing have-nots. Marx, Marx made major headway uh, applying his argument economically, and we're seeing the same thing today racially, and it's uh, blatantly unfair, and it's not proven by fact, and it's certainly not grounded in Scripture. Mm. And, and, and a lot of churches and ministries have embraced it in an effort, and, and the argument is, well, you know, we have to love others, that, you know, they use the loving others, the Good Samaritan, that whole thing, uh, that it's not loving uh, to not be sensitive to that. How do you address that, uh, really, with the churches who have kind of bought hook, line, and sinker into this, and they've made that the priority instead of the gospel? Yeah, there's a hard form of wokeness, and there's a soft form. Uh, I talk about this in the book, Christianity and Wokeness, at length. The hard form of wokeness is, is the strong Marxist argument. It's the professors in many American universities and colleges now uh, who are openly uh, training their students to understand white people as white supremacists, whether they know they are or not. The softer form is really what has gotten its hooks into the evangelical church. The softer form is not so much uh, going to blast every person right off the bat as participating in white supremacy who has white skin or, or just doesn't challenge that system. The soft form is going to talk a lot about racial justice 
and systemic uh, racism and equity and wanting a, a fair and a just society, perhaps. And some of those terms, you know, you can get behind and some of them you definitely shouldn't. Um, you always have to ask people what they mean. And a lot of what is meant by opposing systemic injustice on the part of churches ends up meaning basically white people you need to own, that you participate in this big system that is rigged in which uh, white people benefit and people of color lose. And so that's really the softer form of wokeness that has gotten its hooks into the church, as I say. And honestly, what it ends up doing, Doug, is it ends up convincing a certain sector of the church that if you have white skin, you're basically an extra special sinner. And uh, so white people should do things like apologize to people of color, and white people should repent of uh, their participation in this system. And that's just not what Scripture teaches. If you are actively oppressing other people and harming them and being unfair to them, you should repent of that, whether that's for their skin color or not. But to say that having white skin means you automatically participate in white supremacy and therefore are a white supremacist is just not a sound biblical conclusion. That's not how it works in terms of our doctrine of sin. Well, and your your book, Christianity and Wokeness, really, it, you do such a, a great job in that. And I really, again, appreciate, I know um, it has brought, <laughs> it's brought issues probably for you. You know, we, we see people getting canceled all the time for addressing it in a secular way. But the spiritual thing to me is a lot, it's more important than any secular argument against it. Because it it strikes at the very heart of the gospel, and and that that Jesus came for all people, and he came so that we could be redeemed to go tell people about that redemption, not redemption from other things. Because didn't they have social justice issues back in Jesus' day? Yeah, they sure did. And where there's real oppression, again, we as Christians are totally against it. The Bible has a lot to say about oppression. The, the problem, though, is this argument that whether you know it or not, whether you commit any actions or say any words or not, you basically, if you have white skin, are a white supremacist. And that's just a foul claim. It's one based on Marx's ideology and also therapeutic ideology, which is another tributary in this poisoned river we're talking about, wokeness critical race theory, these kind of ideas. It's the, it's the worldview that says you're either a victim or a victimizer. Mm-hmm. And um, as you can guess, as your listeners right now can guess, that fits hand in glove with uh, Marx's system. So if you are a racial minority, you're a victim. Mm-hmm. If you're part of the racial majority, you're a victimizer. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it doesn't owe to actions or words you say. That's just how things are. So that's very damaging to um, the gospel. It's very damaging to understanding yourself rightly in biblical terms as a sinner. Because if you go through life thinking of yourself, you know, you're, let's say you're in a, uh, a big box evangelical church. Mm-hmm. That church is still probably teaching people at some level that they're sinners. Mm-hmm. But if it embraces wokeness, even in its softer form, it's now going to be teaching a significant number of the congregation or the attendees that they're really a victim, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their skin color. If they're a person of color, they're, they're basically 
a victim. And they've been victimized, furthermore, by members of the congregation who have white skin. Mm -hmm. Those people, again, are the victimizers. Mm -hmm. So the Church may never, um, Doug, formally abandon the gospel. It may not formally reject the gospel. It may continue, even in different sermons, preaching the gospel. That's possible. Mm -hmm. But it's undermining the gospel, as you said a minute ago, by virtue of teaching people who have the same confession, people who claim the same Christ, people who are not acting in racist ways toward one another normally, that the white people are inherently and consistently oppressing the people of color. Mm -hmm. And so those white people in the Church need to start repenting uh, to, to the people of color. And again, I repeat myself, that is not found anywhere in Scripture. That system is based on godless Marxism, not biblical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was thinking about something that you said. Uh, I can't remember where I heard you say it, but you, were, you, you made a, a reference to the fact that there were people, uh, like even in the book of Acts, who had different levels, different classes of, of wealth or different, you know, they were blessed differently with wealth and, and they weren't condemned for that. But, but the people that had means helped the people that didn't have means. There was, there was a, a oneness that was taught there, not a divisiveness. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I see coming out of that. Do you, do you remember what you said? I can't remember exactly, but you just talked about how there were up, up, basically there were, you know, different classes in the Bible. Not that the Bible made them different classes, but it just talked about different of people, economic means, and they weren't condemned for it there. That's exactly right. I mean, one major place to go in Scripture would be First Timothy 6, mm-hmm. 17 to 20, um, where the rich are not condemned for being rich. There's no suggestion from the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy in that letter that you are automatically an oppressor of poor people if you have a lot of money. Um, God blesses people and enables them to make a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, or some money, or not a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's all different levels of, of income in the Church, of course, and uh, no one group is either demonized or lionized uh, by virtue of their income status. Hmm. Uh, it, it is possible, of course, as we see in the book of James, for rich people to um, not treat poor people well, or for the Church to show favoritism to rich people. That's not good. Hmm. That's not scriptural. That's not Christ-like. But that is not at all the same thing as demonizing rich Christians. Um, Job, as just one example, was fantastically wealthy. Uh, Abraham had tons of means. Um, the disciples in the book of Acts are in large part bankrolled by very wealthy public officials and their wives. So God does not have a problem with people necessarily being rich. You always watch your heart, of course. Um, what, what, um, what creates division and hatred uh, among the different economic classes in the Church uh, is ideologies like Marxism, mm. uh, which for the last 150 years or so has been training poor people to think in Latin America, in America, and Europe, and, and beyond, that um, the political class and rich people are oppressing them. Mm. So long before there was race Marxism, there was cultural Marxism. And honestly, I'm on a bit of a riff here, Doug, sorry. That's all right. Marx, Marx has led to the deaths of more people um, than any other uh, prophet, so to speak, in history. 
We talk about Hitler a lot these days, and rightly so, but Marx's uh, ideas have led to tens and tens of billions of deaths in China and Russia, Latin America, and beyond because Marx and Engels convinced people through the Communist Manifesto and other writings, uh, again, that they were fundamentally oppressed in society and they should rebel against society. And in the end, uh, they, they did indeed rebel um, in many cases, and then wicked leaders arose like Stalin, and nobody, <laughs> nobody got a better life except uh, those who, who claimed they were helping uh, the poor. So mm-hmm. it, it's really a, a terrible catalog of woes that follows Marxism, and we have to keep opposing it in our day, in particular for our young people who are still being preyed upon by Marxist ideology. Well, I listen, I appreciate your book. I appreciate your Twitter feeds. Uh, um, t- do you mind telling everybody your Twitter feed real quick uh, so they can go there if they, they want to be able to follow you on Twitter? My Twitter is, I appreciate that, it's at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N, at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N, uh, no spaces or dots. My last name is Strand. Uh, it's a Scottish last name with a strange pronunciation, but uh, hopefully somebody out there, hopefully I'll gain one follower at least from that. Well, well, I, I hope so too because I I love following you. I appreciate I appreciate all the tweets you you put out there because uh, you're you're you always learn uh, when you're doing that. And by the way, I'm I'm Scottish too, so uh, that's why all I, right. I, I knew I liked you, McCrary. Yeah, yeah, McCary. Yeah, that's right. Well, McCary, my bad. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, that's all right. But I also heard you do a little uh, rapping. Is that true? I I have a former career. It's not really a career. <laughs> that, that is unbelievable for a guy of your uh, your your theological background that you're a rapper too. I, I just saw that when I was doing a little research, and I was like, okay, that's something new. Is that very well known, or you you keep that hidden? I don't I don't hide it, but I don't celebrate it either because the rap that was produced is not necessarily worthy of promotion to the watching world. <laughs> well, I, I applaud you. I used to ride motocross with my sons, and and they would play a lot of music, and we would have rap offs while we were driving out to the track. So I, I appreciate that. I love it. Um, hey, I want to chant chant transition here a little bit. Um, you you headed up the uh, Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. This whole idea of transgender thing that we're dealing with, did you see that coming, Owen, at all? Um, the transgender matters, you're saying? Yeah, the, the way it's impacted so quickly, how it's... I mean, I can remember seeing a Time magazine cover right after they kind of celebrated the homosexual marriage thing, and they said, this is next, and I saw it, and I go, no way. And it is just... It, it has come in a whirlwind to me. Like, it's just like really fast and did you see that because i know you guys were dealing with a lot of issues and i'm just surprised how it's even infiltrated different ministries and of course they're progressive and liberal but still the church is now i don't know if you saw the other day there was a a bishop over in london who turned in one of his parishioners for tweeting something about the whole transgender thing about god's design and uh, this guy turned in one of his parishioners to the police did you see that? Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. There's all sorts of mischief and terrible things happening related to this. I didn't. I can't claim profit status in terms of, oh, yes, I saw exactly where we'd be going, you know, 10 years ago. 
But I can definitely say that when I was at CBMW, we realized, this is from 2012 to 2016, that we were going to have to expand the range of issues we cover. Mm -hmm. We couldn't just hit, you know, the meaning of manhood, the meaning of womanhood. Um, What we understood was that feminism um, in its later stages had very much eroded in our culture any strong understanding of manhood and womanhood. And so we're really um, eating the bitter fruits of feminism these days, because if you destabilize uh, the roles of men and women, you're going to end up going beyond that and destabilizing the identities of men and women. Mm -hmm. And you couple that with uh, the just pagan, neo-pagan push to embrace the lusts of the flesh, uh, you realize that takes expression in the homosexual movement, uh, which is further sped by the rise of feminism, because if you're weakening uh, masculine and feminine roles and changing masculine and feminine identity, that's going to have major implications for sex and sexuality. And all this leads to uh, what we're seeing in our day, where now it's very common for our youth, if you're at the local YMCA, if you're at the local mall, people still go to malls or Target or Walmart (laughs) or whatever it is, and, and you're seeing younger people, whether they're full-blown transgender claiming that or not, you've got boys looking like girls and girls look like boys. And you've got a whole lot of youth, furthermore, at our high schools and universities who've got skittle hair, as they call it. You know, they've got orange, purple hair, green hair. Mm. What, what this all means, Doug, is there's just tremendous confusion mm. about the sexes, about human identity. And so, yes, we're seeing this major push for people to think that they can be whoever they want to be. There's no fixed identity. There's no fixed script for life of a man or a woman. There's no role that a man or a woman inhabit in any sphere of life. And it's a, a, a total rejection of God's design and God's wisdom. Mm. And, you know, as Christians, we, we really are pushed to places that we really haven't had to go. And one of the things, I because I, I've heard you um, talk about this before, on another podcast and uh, you know basically how we interact with people who want to use certain pronouns that we know like like for instance if it's a guy who wants to be a girl and he wants to be called you know danielle even though his real name was daniel um yeah how do we respond as christians because i know it's a it's a it's a tough thing because you want to be loving and, and try to reach them, but at the same time, you don't want to affirm gender dysphoria or that. So how do you deal with that with your family, first of all? And then as a professor, how do you instruct leaders to deal with that? There's a lot of talk today along the lines of what you're saying about loving neighbor, right? We heard about that mm-hmm. in this area of conversation, but also in terms of lockdowns, mm-hmm. illnesses, and these sorts of things. So, so really, love your neighbor is what everybody says nowadays. What that ends up meaning in some evangelical circles, as you just rightly said, is that we basically are nice to our neighbor to the extent that we basically do what they want us to do Mm -hmm. and say what they want us to say. That all sounds really good from a squishy evangelical pulpit. (laughs) Um, But fundamentally, we have to recognize that the love of neighbor depends upon the love of God, the first commandment. So we don't break uh, the first commandment in order to keep the second commandment. Um, It is a wonderful, glorious thing that God has loved us, and so we are able to show love to sinners. God is such a loving, kind, gracious, forgiving God. 
But the way to make that God known to fellow sinners is never to affirm their sin. It's not to affirm the the lies under which they're living. It's not to participate with them in their delusions. Mm -hmm. Um, If your neighbor, uh, who you're trying to evangelize in a really good way, your next-door neighbor starts telling you that they are Groucho Marx, you are not loving them Mm -hmm. one bit by participating in any sincere way in their delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you will, I'm sure, if this rather strange example occurs in your life, you will talk with them and, and, and try to help them and, and listen to them and all sorts of things. But again, I repeat myself, you are not at any point going to help them think that they are Groucho Marx. Mm-hmm. You are going to lovingly try to lead them back to understanding they are Bob or Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, same thing with transgenderism, pronouns, etc. Um, we should not use um, false pronouns. We should not use false names. Um, and we, we should not affirm people in their sin. We just can't. That's because we love them. And um, loving neighbor depends upon loving God. Loving God depends upon standing on God's truth. Yeah, that is that is really, really good. Well, you mentioned the vax. I haven't gotten into the whole government thing with, you know, it seems to me, oh, and we only got about a minute left before our news break, and then you're going to come back for a next segment just for uh, a few minutes. But um, sure. a- after um, the, the, it seems like wokeness, the transgender, the LGBTQ thing, all the vax, all those things – it appears as if the church has been targeted in all these areas. And when we come back from the break, I really would like you to just share what you are training young leaders to do there as it relates to some of these issues. I know we are to yield to the government as long as it doesn't go against the Bible, right? But there's been a lot of gray areas, apparently, you know, especially when with this area of the backs and some other things. Would you be willing to delve into that just for a few minutes when we come sure. back? Yep. All right. Yep. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Dr. Owen Strand, a good professor friend and a fellow Scottish guy. And we'll be back with more SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. And we'll be right back after the news. SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I have Dr. Owen Strand today. Owen, again, thank you so much for uh, being our guest. And, and I'm, I'm sorry for uh, what you guys have gone through as a family. I, we, li- we You know, we're going to lift you up as a SWAT. You know, the SWAT, for you guys who are just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. SWAT Radio spawned out of the SWAT Bible Studies here in the Jacksonville area. And um, 
we got a bunch of guys. I want, we're, we're going to pray for you and your family. And I just want you to know, you got battle buddies here in Florida and uh, that will be lifting you up and praying for protection for you and your family, man. Cause I, I, I love what you do. We believe in you and you're not alone in the fight. So thank you, Doug. That's really kind. It is, uh, it's an honor to, to have guys like you who are doing what you're doing. And, um, you know, I don't want to delve too much in this weeds. I'm just curious because you, I know you, you, you're a critical thinker about things, but you know, we went through this, this deal for the last few years with the vax, the, the mask and all this stuff. I had a doctor on several doctors, but, uh, a lot of them have predicted what we're seeing now. And, um, and it's not, there's just a distrust for government. There's a distrust for the medical community. There's a distrust for a lot of the institutions we've had, even in the church. Uh, when there were, there were leaders in the church that were being used to tell people like what you said, that, um, the, um, it's not loving if you don't take the vax, it's not loving if you don't wear a mask when people felt yep. in their own their own walk with God that they felt the freedom to do that. Could you speak to how, how did you deal with that at the school there and with your family and in your area? Yeah, I, um, I tried to take a stand as soon as I got up to speed on the issues regarding the vaccine uh, on this issue, because not because I'm fundamentally against medicine or science or even vaccines themselves. I'm no expert on these things. This isn't my field. I'm a theologian and a preacher. But um, because of the claims that were being made about the vax, that we, we all basically should take it or even had to take it, um, I recognized, okay, this is an overreach. And that overreach followed uh, on the heels of the overreach about masks, as you said. Uh-huh. Uh, we were all forced to, at least many of us, most of us, listening to this, we were forced to wear masks in many different areas of life. And that meant that the government was asserting authority over the body uh, in a way that the government does not have. The government does not have that authority to tell you and me, Doug, that we we have to wear an orange shirt on Wednesdays or we have to take a multivitamin on Fridays. Um, the government can recommend that, but that is outside the purview of the biblical warrant of government and scripture. You think of passages like Matthew 22 and uh, and Romans 13 and others. So I tried to take a stand and help Christians see uh, if you're being forced, especially, this is really my, the, my closest area of focus, if you're being forced to take the vaccine, that's, that's not right. Uh, and if you do not want to, you do not have to from scripture. Mm-hmm. Again, that was a different emphasis, Doug, than a lot of evangelical leaders made uh, a year or so ago, where it was basically argued uh, kind of soft. It was kind of soft forcing people uh, to, to to love your neighbor, so, so get the vax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're seeing all sorts of tragedies unfold with died suddenly on Twitter as a uh, perpetual trending hashtag and so on and so forth. And, and I just grieve to see governmental overreach in America and really all over the world along these lines. Well, and, and on that note, I want to talk a little bit about the emasculation of men in the church and the vacuum of leadership, because I know you were on the, you headed up the council for biblical manhood. You've spoken on that. In fact, you've got a book you're going to release in the fall. Um, and I'm hoping to get you back right before the release. But I I really want you, these last few minutes we have with you, to talk a little bit about 
as leaders in the church, men who are out there uh, focusing on the character of men, that 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 inner that inner man, and being these warriors God called us to be, not necessarily the physical warriors, but the spiritual warriors in the family and the community. Talk a little bit about that vacuum that you witness as a guy who's training young leaders, and you speak all over. And you see, what do you see going on with the men in the church, Owen? Yeah, Scripture calls us to be strong men. You think of David to Solomon on his deathbed to his boy. Be strong and show yourself a man, 1 Kings 2.2. 2. Uh, you think of 1 Corinthians 16.13, act like men, Paul says, uh, to the church. So uh, we've got to recognize we're called as men to find our strength in God, Paul makes very clear that he is weak in himself, but in God he is strong. And so um, we as men are called to holistic strength, I would say. Yes, fundamentally spiritual strength through the gospel of grace in the name of Jesus Christ, through faith in the, the cross and resurrection of Christ on our behalf, but then that ripples all throughout our life. So the guy who is spiritually strong, I would argue, is the guy who really should be physically strong, insofar as he's physically able, of course, you know, he's not going to look at his life, any area of his life. He, he should be intellectually strong. He should be morally strong. Uh, he should be socially strong. He should be strong to serve the Church. That strength should ripple all throughout his existence, such that um, when you look at him, you're not looking at, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger of the spiritual realm or something like this, you know, beating his chest or something or puffing himself up, but you're looking at a man who, by the grace of God, finds his strength in God and then uh, uses his strength not against women and children, but uses his strength for the good of his his home, his family, his loved ones, his community, his church. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, Christians are often called um, by by pastors and churches, you know, to to be um, godly as men, which is good. But that's where it stops. And what we have today is what I call in the war on men. That's my book coming out this fall, the war on men. What we have is is a generation of uh, those who practice and promote Gnostic manhood. They believe that manhood is spiritual. So yes, men, be prayer warriors, be in your Bible. That's great, but we have to recognize that Christianity targets the whole life. So men are called to strength in a comprehensive sense. Well, um, you know, when you th- when you th- think about Paul, like I've been teaching through Acts right now, and we're teaching about how Paul was discipling Timothy and those young leaders he was raising up in the East Asian area and how much he focused on the the character, the character part of the men. You know, in our culture today, it it appears to me, Owen, that that the driving thing for a lot of ministry leaders or church leaders is their charismatic personality, their ability to communicate, and what we end up seeing in a lot of under, you know, it's, it's, it's really underneath that they're able to guard it, but it comes out over time, is this hunger for power and fame. Um, do, do you see that changing? Are we making any inroads to that? Or do you think that's just the model that we live with here in America? Yeah, I think, I think we um, are just, we, we are living in a church era in which the church has been beset by the call to be nice and the call to be winsome. And so along the lines of what you're saying, that's having a major effect in the Church. And there's just not much of of anything that would be quote-unquote controversial that is taught to the sheep. Hmm. Um, Pastors 
yeah, that, and that very much in, impacts who churches hire as pastors. They fundamentally, in too many cases, hire, you know, soft, nice men. Mm-hmm. It's fully right, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, that, that pastors would bear all the fruits of the Spirit, including gentleness and kindness and meekness. Mm-hmm. Moses was the most meek man who lived. So we've got to have multifaceted character as men. We must. But we just have to recognize that pastors are fundamentally truth-tellers as well, mm-hmm. and they have to stand on the Word of God. In Ephesians 4.15, they have to be those who are speaking the truth in love, not raging against American culture, uh, not blasting the sheep week after week. We need loving shepherds. But in order to shepherd sheep, you have to guide the sheep. You even occasionally have to use the rod. And you certainly have to protect the sheep from wolves, and we need more of that kind of spirit. That's what we're after at my seminary right here in central Arkansas. It's not mine, but it's where I work. It's yeah. called Grace Bible, Grace Bible Theological Seminary in uh, Conway, Arkansas. It's a small school. It's a reform school. But really, the, the heartbeat of the school is, uh, is the sufficiency of Scripture and the training of men. So that's what we're after, Doug. Yeah, and Grace Bible Theological Seminary is GBGB as in boy T S or T Seminary. So it's gbtseminary.org. Um and uh the fact that you're there um that alone makes it worthwhile. Uh, uh Conway, Arkansas, it is a small town. I've driven through there many times going to Missouri, uh to Branson, Missouri. And, uh, but it's oh, a, yeah. it's, it's a great co- part of the country actually. And, um, I'm so glad that, uh, they, they have you there. Um, real quick, if, if somebody's interested, can you tell them what the process is to get into Grace Bi- Bible Theological Seminary? Yeah, I appreciate that. Just go to that website. You just kindly said gbtseminary.org. Very simple. And, uh, there's admissions as a tab. It's also right there on the homepage, and uh, you can submit an inquiry, talk with our staff. We're not a big school. We're not like these schools that have $40 million budgets, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but somebody will definitely be in touch with you. And if you're a man interested in sound biblical ministry, you want to love the sheep and you want to preach the truth for the glory of God, then, then uh, you should check us out and, and uh, inquire. And may, it just may well be that uh, there's a place for you here. All right, so once again, before you go off, uh, we, I, I think we just got a couple of minutes. I want to highlight you got a book coming out in the fall, and again, it's is it The War on Men? Is that right? Yep, The War on Men. And uh, you don't have a release date yet, right? It's October, early October 2023, so just about eight months. Okay, early October. So if you're listening, pray for him. Uh, is it completed or you're in the ed- final edits or where is it, where you're at in the process? Yeah, I'm editing it. Yep. All right. The fun part. So pray for, pray for <laughs> Owen as he's editing this book. And, um, also, uh, you don't have to wait for, uh, wokeness, uh, and his book on wokeness. If you go to amazon.com, uh, you can go right now and get that book called Christianity and Wokeness. He's also got Reenchanting Humanity. Uh, he's got several books out there, both in the um, it, you can get them a hard copy or Kindle. Um, he wrote a book called The Essential Jonathan Edwards. You wrote that? Did you write that? I wrote that. Wow. I, well, 
I wrote it. I wrote it with my co-author Jonathan Edwards. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Edwards. What a guy, man! That's some light reading right there, folks. Anyway, he, uh, you know, uh, he he's. I was talking about him the other day, and um, you know, his sermon centers in the hands of an angry God, and just how he you know, the conviction that came, not because of personality or because of. Uh, you know, just the way he talked, but the content of what he said. So uh, uh, essential, Jonathan Edwards, you can get that one too. Oh, and thank you. I know you got to run, but uh, I really, really appreciate it. Can I just pray for you as we go out? Sure, thank you. All right. Hey, Father, thank you so much for um, this time with Owen today. And uh, I just pray for him and his family. Um, I don't know all the attacks that they're going through, but I know that you do. And in the same way, you allowed Elisha's servant to see the the angels that were out there. I prayed that you would give him and his wife, Lord, the ability to sense your presence and to know that you have all this stuff in the palm of your hand and that you have him protected. You're his protector and you're his guard and you're there with him. So that's my prayer for him and his family. Continue to use him for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, so good to talk to you. I'm going to snag you before your book release, so I'll get you back, all right? All right, man. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, go go, go! be with your family. Thank you for our time. Dr. Owen Strand, God's blessings on you, okay? Thank you. Wow. What a, what a, what a great, great interview, uh, Dr. Strand. He is, he is really, you know... <laughs> He's not that old, but boy, he has put out some really good books already. God has anointed him, and he is um, he is he has really put out some good stuff. Again, if you want his book on Christianity and wokeness, you can go to Amazon.com. That's the title, Christianity and Wokeness. It, it's a great book. He's got another book uh, called Always in God's Hands. Um, it was uh, day by day in the company of Jonathan Edwards. So he obviously has a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of love for Jonathan Edwards, and uh, you can see Jonathan Edwards' influence in his life. So again, that's Doctor Owen Strand. If you're just tuning in, and uh, by the way, if you um, would like to hear this or any past broadcast, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com, and uh, you can just click on the uh, past programs link, uh, or you can do a search. You can put in Owen Strand, O-E-A-O-W-E-N-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N, and listen to any past broadcast of his. He's got one other interview we did uh, with him, and uh, it it was a great interview as well. So, uh, again, his book is Christianity and Wokeness. And I highly recommend that as well as some of the others. And he's got one coming out in the fall called War on God. Um, Just a couple of things recapping uh, some of the things that he said earlier when he was talking about um, Christianity and wokeness. He's talked about two forms, the hard form that's just very direct, very, it's almost, it's very Marxist in the way it is. It's just overt and out there. But he also talked about the soft form that's infiltrating the churches and uh, the ministries that are out there where people um, get caught up in this ideology 
And it really is, it goes against scripture. It, it goes against scripture. Abraham X. Kendi, when he put his book out there, How to Be an Anti-Racist, all those those books along that line, basically they, they there's no way to ever satisfy what they're really trying to accomplish because it, it's just to breed discontent, which really all those things come from Satan himself. He is the father of all lies. He wants to turn men against men. He wants to turn men against women. He wants to turn societies against them themselves. And, and he's done a pretty good job in our culture. And uh, I appreciate Dr. Strand's book. You know, Vody Bauckham wrote a good book as well on that issue. And um, I, I just think both those guys have put some really good material out there that's very helpful uh, if you are in a church or a ministry uh, associated with a ministry that might be having some issues in this area. I would highly encourage you to uh, get his book, Christianity and Wokeness. You know, I know we only have a few minutes. I, I would be open to take some calls at 844-777-7928. Uh, Dr. Strand had to pop off, and uh, he, had to, he had something that he had to go do with his family that popped up. So if you would like to call or if you want to send a question, I'd be happy to respond uh, if you don't want to be on air. But if you want to be on air, you can call one 777 7928 that's 844-777-7928 and i'd be happy to um to just uh have you share your thoughts uh or your question on air as we kind of think about some of the things he said because we talked a lot about the wokeness issue we talked about the transgender issue these issues aren't going away um they're not going away at all in fact they're, they're, I think they're going to get worse. It looks like they're going to continue to to get worse. And so we as Christians have to be vigilant in loving our neighbor, um, but that doesn't always mean affirming their dysphoria or affirming their uh, sin. We never want to affirm their sin. We, we want to deal with their uh, issue by lovingly, trying to point them to Jesus. Everything that we do should be to point people to Jesus. That's what we're called to be, to be as witnesses. And so um, one of the first things we have to know, especially in this transgender issue that keeps getting brought up, is that what the Bible teaches about sexes and, and our ideology and our philosophy should be driven by biblical truth. Um, and you know, the, the whole idea is people talk about loving these people and the first priority for God's people always is not others and it's not us. It's God himself. We need to go to the Bible and, and, and dig deep into God's word and see what God says about man and woman. And in Genesis 1, it says he made man and woman in his image. And you can't just pick one thing out and say, okay, um, you know, I don't feel like this is right, so I'm going to be something else. God made a mistake with me. Well, no, God makes us the way we are. And the heart of man is intrinsically wicked as we come into the world because we've all been stained by sin. 
That's a biblical truth. And even though we are made in the image of God, we come into the world with a sin nature, and that sin nature drives us to rebel against God's design and his standards. And as we think about the whole transgender issue, it's going to get more and more difficult for us as believers to address these issues, to speak truthfully. Um, And as Christians, we have to know what the Bible says about it. That's the first place we go. And, um, you know, in um, Deuteronomy 22, it actually addresses the issue. It says a woman shall not wear a man's clothes, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Okay. Um, and if you go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, which is because a lot of people say, well, that was the Old Testament. No, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor be deceived? Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. And it literally means effeminate men. So even though there's there was no term transgender there, it, it's clearly talking about gender confusion. And it identifies that as sin. So as believers... Do we, should we expect unbelievers to live a sinless lifestyle? No, we can't live a sinless lifestyle. But that doesn't mean we affirm that. Nobody should be affirming that. Well, they, have a, they do have a right to live that way. But as believers, we should point people to Jesus and, and, and point them to him and the fact that he loves them. And we don't affirm sin. We don't affirm sin in any way, shape, or form. And so people go, I, I get this question a lot. People say, well, yeah, but what about other sins? Why, why do you want to pick on transgenders or why do you want to pick on homosexuality? One of the reasons is nobody's trying to codify um, theft. <laughs> In fact, right now, if you steal something, you go to jail. It's against the law to do that. But they're codifying the protection of these other things, the homosexual lifestyle, the transgender they're trying to codify things that are directly against the word of God. And so, and people say, well, what about those who have, um, you know, their brain thinks they're a different gender? Uh, well, then you help them with that. You pray for them. But you don't you don't go and affirm that, their their sex is wrong just because they feel it's wrong there are people literally who have brain issues that make them they think they're animals and nobody's affirming that and what's the difference it really the only difference is in our culture we have embraced this anti-god design view that you can go out and you can change your identity that God gave you. You can change your DNA, but you can't change your DNA. You can only change the external. And so I appreciate that, um, that Dr. Strand is, is coming out with this book on war on men. I'm sure he will address some of these issues in that, but, um, we just, we need to pray for healing of people and you, you don't need to be ugly about it. You don't need to be mean about it. Um, but like he said, when we were talking about using 
the terms they want. I don't know that we ought to do that. I don't think that's the best thing for them to do that. Um, if if it's if it causes a problem, then then just don't say anything. Don't call them by anything. But I, I have a hard time affirming somebody else's dysphoria and one one thing but not another. How do you uh, affirm somebody's dysphoria and gender, but you don't affirm their dysphoria if they think they're President Lincoln? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Jeremy? I mean, it's just like, uh, where do you draw the line? And the same thing with the whole homosexuality thing and the homosexual marriage thing. If we lived in Africa, out in the middle of nowhere, and everybody in our tribe was lesbian and homosexual, we would have no children, we wouldn't reproduce, and we would cease to exist. That ought to tell you that it goes against the design of God. It can't self-sustain. It is a perversion of what God intended. And so um, as believers, we pray for them, and we love them. We're not angry or ugly to them, but we pray for them, and we pray that they would know Jesus. And yes, Jesus would hang around them. Jesus would love them, but Jesus would speak the truth to them. So, hey, I thank you guys for listening today. Um, Dr. Owen Strand, for those who might just be tuning in or tuned in late, if you want to hear the whole interview, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Click on the past programs link and you can hear. You can also um, communicate with us at Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. And uh, you can go to, again, the seminary Dr. Strand teaches at GB, as in boy, TS or tseminary.org. That's gbtseminary.org. And uh, Dr. Owen Strand, again, was our guest. Thank you, Dr. Strand. And uh, Brad and David will be here tomorrow, and I'll be back with you guys on Monday. Have a great evening, and stay tuned to SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening 